G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Thanks for joining Dr. Michael Yusuf for this special edition of Leading the Way. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Resurrection Sunday, the day that changed the world and the day that set Christianity apart from all those other religions because it is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that gives us hope, not only in this life, but for all of eternity, that we're going to be with Him, the resurrected Jesus, forever and ever. Glad you've joined us. Today, Dr. Yusuf brings encouragement and hope by placing you face to face with the reality and power of the resurrection of Jesus through the words found in Matthew chapter 28. Listen along with me as Dr. Yusuf begins his message, The Imperatives of the Resurrection. Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. I want you to imagine with me how those women, when they heard the words of the angel, how those words were imprinted in their memory banks, in the cortex of their memories, and how they would not only remember the words, but for the rest of their lives, they can keep talking about those words, and they can literally repeat them verbatim. The angel said, the angel said, and these events and these words become indelible in their minds and hearts, and they must have talked about them many, many times. And through the years, and these words and events became all their consuming passion, not just for years, but for decades. And they were, would talk about them. That's why I'm calling this message the imperatives of the resurrection. I'm going to explain that as we go along. Now, there are some things you and I must never forget, must never forget, that these women were not expecting to see a resurrection. You read all the accounts of all the eyewitnesses and compare them together. The last thing on their minds was just going to see a resurrection. In fact, they were taking some spices which is a Jewish custom that they will take these spices in order to smell good and retard the rotting of the bodies. It's a very ancient Jewish custom. And secondly, while in their minds they had so many things going on in their thoughts, resurrection was not one of them. One thing they were thinking about was, how are they going to explain this custom of bringing these spices to these Italian soldiers who were not Jewish? How are they going to explain that to them, the ones who are guarding the tomb? Or how are they going to persuade these big Roman soldiers to remove the stone so they can get to the body? But to their utter amazement, and I would say horror, because you see it in the text, the stone was already rolled away and an angel sitting on top of it. Here, the first word that come out of the angel's mouth in that empty tomb do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. They were there, and they watched the crucifixion, these women. He is not here. He is risen just like He told you. 
Then the angels give them two imperatives. Look with me, please, the second half of verse 6. Imperatives number 1. Matthew 28, still there. Come and see. That's the first imperative. Secondly, in verse 7, he says, go and tell. If you really break them down linguistically from the original Greek, there are four imperatives, and four words in the imperative mood, and that's uh, come and then see, then go, and then tell. There are four, but I lumped them together into two because they're related to each other. Come and see, then go and tell. Hearing the words of the angels that Jesus is risen, I have absolutely no doubt, and you can see it in the text, it heightened their memory bank to those two imperatives. Those two imperatives have been sharpened their senses to a razor edge. These two imperatives must have become more unforgettable than anything they've ever experienced in life. These two imperatives, no doubt, have been repeated thousands and thousands and thousands of times to the disciples and by the disciples. And they would say, tell me again, what did the angel say? Oh, let me tell you what the angel said. We remember them verbatim. What did the angel say again? And when did he say that? How did? And they will repeat them over and over and over, not only for their lifetime. And many of them have died because of the resurrected Jesus and believing in him, seeing him, and walking with him for over 40 days. But we are repeating them now 2,000 years later. Come and see. Go and tell. These are very, very, very important words. Please don't miss this. They're very important words to everyone, to everyone who has received Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, as the only Savior and Lord of their life. But I want to have a word with the pre-believers. And I'm saying pre-believers because I have faith by the end of this message, all the pre-believers will become believers. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. The first double imperative, come and see. Come and see the love of God that was so great that He gave His all, His one and only begotten Son. Come and see the power of God in the empty tomb. Come and experience His power for living. Come and receive His peace that comes from knowing that all our sins are forgiven. Come and see and experience the joy in the midst of life's pain. Come and see and experience His comfort in the midst of fear. Come and see and experience the resurrection power that raises us from the tomb of sin and death and guilt. Come and see the resurrected Jesus and receive His assurance of being with Him in heaven for all of eternity. Come and see. Come and see. We're not afraid. We've got nothing to hide. The evidence are clear. In all the decades that I've been inviting people to come and see and experience salvation from the hand of the crucified, dead, buried, and rose again Jesus, I've heard all sorts of excuses. I mean, every excuse in the book. I'm going to come to that in a minute, but I am certain, though, that before the women accepted the word of the angel, before they accepted his invitation to go into the tomb and see it empty, before that, 
they probably have some misgivings. They probably had some questions, just like every one of us before we came to Christ. We had misgivings. We had doubt. We had questions. What about the darkness in that tomb? Because was that just before sunrise? They'll probably think, well, what about these burly Roman soldiers? I mean, they were renowned of lobbing people's heads just for looking at them. Would they be violating Pilate's order? Who sealed the tomb? Would they be accused of rolling away the stone, which was a crime? What if, what if, what if? I'm sure all of us have been through there. Let me ask you this. What is your excuse? What is your excuse? What is the obstacle that's holding you from coming to the one who loved you enough to send his son in order to die for you on the cross to pay for the wages of your sin and mine? I said, you know, in all the years of my ministry, I've heard all sorts of excuses. Oh, the church is full of hypocrites. I never defended that, by the way. Never defended it. I always said to them, come and join us. There's room for one more. <laughs> Blows them away. I mean, they'll get ready for a fight. No fight. No arguments. Oh, the church is just a big business. All right. I'm not inviting you to come and see the church. I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> and any church. That's not what the invitation was. He didn't say, go and look at the church, look at the Christians, look at… No, 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 no. He said, come and see the empty tomb. I'm inviting you to the resurrected Jesus, not to a church, any church. Another excuse always muses me is, I've got a lot of living to do before I become religious. <laughs> and I have an answer to that one. I said, you know, I'm never inviting anybody to become religious. As a matter of fact, I hate religion. I hate religion. Religion kills. Jesus gives life. I'm inviting you to come to see the resurrected Jesus. What obstacle, what excuse is keeping you from coming to see the resurrected Jesus? Jesus issued a personal, personal invitation in Matthew 11:28. He said, Come unto me, come unto me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There can be no rest away from Jesus. In fact, Jesus is the only one who could issue such an invitation. No guru, no leader, no prophet can issue that invitation. Come and see the empty tomb. Somebody probably is asking by now, well, Michael, why is the empty tomb such a big deal? Well, it's not just a big deal. <laughs> it's the biggest deal of all. It's the biggest deal of all. Why? Well, think with me, okay? I just want you to think. Think with me. Jesus is no ordinary man. He was God in human flesh. Before His incarnation, Jesus coexisted in the Holy Trinity, in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus, God the Son, is equal to God the Father. And so, think about this. Think about the incalculable, the unprecedented, and inexplicable, and we won't really understand until we go to heaven, incredible humility that He sets aside the splendor and the glory of heaven and come and be born as an embryo in a virgin's womb in order to help us relate to God the Father. So we understand He's been through everything that we've been through. 
so that whomsoever, whomsoever comes and accept that his death on the cross to be the payment for their sin, and that his resurrection is assurance of our own resurrection, they can be reconciled to God the Father. But not just any reconciliation, we are be called the children of God. But then there's something else you're going to see when you come and see the empty tomb. Talking about the cross. Think about this. The sinless, pure, holy, that is, had never sinned in thought, word, or deed, hanging on that cross, carrying the horror and the filth of my sin and the sin of everyone who comes to him in repentance and confession. In fact, 700 years before the cross, 700 years before the cross, the prophet Isaiah, he prophesied with meticulous precision about the cross. Here's what he said, talking about Jesus. He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was laid on him. All was laid on him. The thing you will see when you come and see the empty tomb You'll see what I and millions of others around the world, believers, the fact that we've become aware of the horror of sin, of the nature of sin, and we develop hatred towards sin. Listen, before I came to Christ, I loved sin. But when I came to Christ, I hate sin. And you know what? I hate sin in my own life more than anybody else's. Because I'm going to give an account of every word that comes out of my mouth. Something else you need to know that when you come to see the empty tomb, you'll understand that we all, every one of us, we will physically die. There's some people running around kind of head in the sand thinking you're going to live forever. Read my lips. No. There's a day that is coming when we'll be separated from our loved ones. We'll be separated from our friends. We'll be separated from familiar surroundings. We'll be separated from our possessions. But we become realistic when you come and see the empty tomb. When you come and see the empty tomb of Jesus, you will see our mortality, our physical mortality. But far more importantly is that you will see life beyond the grave. You will see the necessity of spending this life preparing for the life to come. This life may be 50, 60, 100 years, but it's short in comparison to eternity. Eternity is a long, 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 long time. You will see the importance of knowing right now whether you will spend eternity in heaven with the resurrected Jesus or in hell with Satan and his demons. Now, so many preachers don't want to offend people. They don't want to talk about hell. But you know what they're doing? It's like a doctor who sees cancer and says, oh, I don't want to offend you. The Bible speaks of hell in language that makes me cry. Because somebody told me years ago, don't ever joke about hell because there are real people going there. I pray to God, not one person at the sound of my voice would reject the resurrected Jesus and gamble with their eternity. Not one. That is why, my beloved friends, it is of uttermost importance that everyone at the sound of my voice would ask themselves the question, if I die today, 
Am I absolutely certain that I will be in heaven with the resurrected Jesus? Don't rest until you answer the question. When you come and see the empty tomb, you're not only going to see the incredible, unprecedented, indescribable humility on the part of Jesus, the Son of God, you will not only see the horrors of sin as God sees it, you will not only see that you're going to face mortality and you better start now, but when you come and see the empty tomb, you will see that only Jesus, and only Jesus, and only Jesus, who rose from the dead, never to die again, can actually give you eternal life. Amen. The empty tomb is saying to everyone, Jesus and only Jesus defeated sin and the grave. Jesus is the only Jesus that shows you that His empty tomb is evidence of His resurrection. And all the so-called founders of other religions, listen to me, please, I plead with you, all those founders of other religions, they're dead as doornails. <laughs> Only Jesus has an empty tomb. And that is why no one but no one, no one but no one, no religion, any religion, can save you. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus can. Only the one who defeated death and the grave can give you life. The only one who has power over death can give you eternal life. If you're one of those people, 60% of churchgoers in America believe there are many ways to God. I'm not talking about the atheists and the agnostics. God knows how to deal with them. I'm talking about the people in the church. 60% of them they said there are many ways to God. Please, please, please ask yourself the question, what prophet, what guru, what founder of a religion has defeated death? They are all helpless and hopeless and powerless in the face of death. How can they give you eternal life when they're all dead, dead, dead? How can a prophet promise you paradise when he's rotting in the grave. The evidence of the bodily resurrection of Jesus was not only recorded by many Christian eyewitnesses, upward of 500, but even Jewish historians, and as you know, they were not disposed to, to Jesus. They rejected Him. But some of the historians, one of them, the best-known historian by the name of Josephus, he writes with details, evidences of the resurrection of Jesus and the impact that this resurrection had on the life of the apostles, that they will happily die for Jesus. You don't die for a hoax. And that is why all of the apostles, bar one, John, they were tortured, and they died horrible deaths, and they did it gladly. Today, there are many persecuted people around the world, and some of them, when they come to Christ, they're literally signing their death warrant. What courage! The first imperative is what? The second imperative is once. Amen. When you come to Jesus, when you come and see the empty tomb, you cannot be quiet. You cannot help, but you want to tell. But it's an imperative that we go and tell. It's not a suggestion. It's in the imperative mood. You can't keep good news to yourself if you discover a cure to some illness. Wouldn't you want to shout it from the rooftop? 
before I came to Jesus, I placed so many obstacles and objections, and I hated preachers. <laughs> Some of you are feeling that way right now. I forgive you, <laughs> because I know what it's like. So many objections, so many doubts, so many questions. Like these women, no doubt, they had all sorts of things in their mind. You know, well, what about the soldiers? What about the Roman seal? What about the stone, this huge stone? These were all obstacles that these women were thinking about. But once the power of God destroyed all of these obstacles in my life and in my mind, once the stone of doubt was removed, once the soldiers of selfishness trembled and ran away, once the seal of my will and want to live my way was broken, once those obstacles and objections were removed, once you come and you see for yourself and experience the power of the resurrected Jesus, you cannot help but tell others. I began by talking to the pre-believers. Now, let me talk to the believers those who have known Jesus and experienced Jesus year after year after year, and you're sitting on the good news, you have never shared it with anybody. I know fear keeps our mouth shut. I know that. I know that. But we don't have a choice. We are under obligation. We are commanded to tell others. Sadly, there are many people who have experienced that power in their life again and again and again, and yet, they never go to the second imperative. Go and tell. I pray that will change today. Those who have experienced the removing of the stones of doubt in their lives, those who have experienced the breaking down of many seals that kept them away, those who, of us who have experienced the power in scattering the clouds of fear and selfishness, we have only one imperative left. One, go and tell. Go and tell. Go and tell the greatest news of all. Go and tell. The only news that's worth telling. People retweeting and retweeting and all kinds of stupid stuff and this and that and the other thing on the social media, and yet they do not share the greatest news of all. Death is dead. Death is conquered. Eternal life is now possible. And you can receive it when you receive Jesus as your only Savior and Lord, that you accept His payment on the cross to be for you personally, whether you're young or old. I can tell you categorically as I conclude that no matter what we have faced or what we will face, whatever we're going to face in the future, we can face it with confidence. Why? <laughs> because we came and we saw the empty tomb because we have experienced the power of the resurrection in our lives, and therefore we are confident that because of the empty tomb, He will be with us in the middle of the floods and in the middle of the fires, in the middle of troubles of life, and that He will walk us through safe to the other side of glory. A confident reminder that because of the empty tomb and through the power of the resurrection, you can face and have victory in whatever life brings. Thanks for joining Dr. Michael Youssef and listeners around the world for Leading the Way.
If you have faith doubts or questions, consider speaking with a Leading the Way pastor. They'd be happy to listen and help in any way they can. Visit ltw.org slash Jesus. Hello friends, Michael Youssef here. You know, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead on the third day after he was buried is the clearest demonstration that he is the God of power and might. Without his resurrection, there can be no power for living here and now or eternal life with him in heaven. Only those who place their whole trust in the Christ of the cross will receive forgiveness of all of their sins. He is inviting whomsoever would come to him, confessing and repenting to receive his embrace. Only then will you experience his eternal peace. Will you accept his invitation? To learn more about the one who is ready to accept you wherever you are in life, visit ltw.org slash Jesus. Thank you for listening today. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth around the world. Connect via television, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and all of the social media networks. Learn more at ltw.org. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.